Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. But of course, we've finished the Bible, so now we're talking about the stories that seem like they should be in there but simply aren't. My name is Nico Bakulich. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And we're about to get biblical. Let's get biblical. You got it. But before we do, we have to remind you that this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it is not appropriate for youngins. Or other children. That's right. I am the non-believing sort of Jew. I'm the ex-Christian. Uh, I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist. What book are we talking about here tonight, baby? Well, that's an interesting question also, young baby of mine. <laughs> yes, I am young. Continue. <laughs> because we're not talking about a book of all. Well, not in the traditional sense, because it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Uh, we're talking about a little piece of work. It's a serious piece of work. Uh, and it's called Third Baruch. Or the Greek Apocalypse of Baruch. Not to be confused with the Syriac Apocalypse of Baruch. A.K.A. Second Baruch. Now, I gotta jump in with some fast facts here. There are four apocryphal books labeled as First, second, third, and fourth Baruch. Baruch is really the catch-all trash can for wow. just whatever people want to assign they a name to. are all written by completely different authors in completely different time periods. So don't worry, you're not no missing— No offense to Baruch or his <laughs> descendants. Well, you're not missing—we're doing third Baruch because it seemed like it would be the best podcast episode, but you're not missing anything from first and second because those are completely separate texts. Um, the reason they're all titled Baruch is because they all claim to be written by Baruch, the friend and scribe of the prophet Jeremiah. You may remember from our episode on the book of Jeremiah that he had a one friend and one friend only, and it was Baruch. You may remember from our, our Jeremiah episode that Jerry and Barry were always on the run from King Zedekiah together. That was... <laughs> Can you believe the antics those two got it up was, to? You know, they were getting thrown in water cisterns. They were just uh, living it up. They were. You can't keep those young men out of the cistern. <laughs> they were talking about nasty fig boys. That's mm-hmm. where that's from. Um, so, okay. So, Second Baruch, also known as the Syriac Apocalypse of Baruch. And that's why we got to call ours the Greek one. So, Third Baruch was written... Sometime after the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 AD, so mm-hmm. probably in like the 100s mm-hmm. or so, uh, unclear what language it was originally written in. We have extant manuscripts in Greek and Old Slavonic. Mm-hmm. Although it is extant in two languages, the Greek version of the text was unknown to scholars until the very end of the 19th century. Oh, was it? Yes, um... According to the uh, Jewish Encyclopedia, quote, the world of learning was astonished by M.R. James' publication of the Greek text, until then entirely unknown in text and studies, Mr. James et cetera, gave it to et us? Uh, 1897. Yes, Mr. Dr. Ja- Mr. James? Dr. Mr. Spooky Boy James. Oh my gosh, what a hero. apparently the one who discovered the Greek version of the text or hunted it down. We know he was a famous uh, ghost hunter. And, yes, and ghost, definitely. The ghost he was hunting in this case was the spirit of the Lord, the, the Holy Ghost. Of the Lord, yeah. In, in the apocrypha, um, so he was the one apparently who brought it to hmm. public conception. Well, good for him. And it differs from the old Slavonic version of text in some ways. I didn't read about this, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, where did you read this text? Because I read it on the Wayback Machine, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a page from. 
UPen, a page which uh, no longer exists and needed to be archived. I read it on Early Jewish Writings, which I believe had a copy of the UPen uh, thing because there was a big apocrypha digitization project at UPen, I believe, oh, around okay. yeah, around that the makes year sense. like that the late '90s and 2000. Um, which may have gone offline on their site, but has been like mirrored around the web, so to speak. But I read it on the delightful earlyjewishwritings.com. Excellent. So uh, shall we dive in? I would love to. Okay, so our story... Now, this is a classic tale of one man. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there is one main, one main guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, That's uh... my main contribution okay. to the discussion. So okay. You may continue now. Uh, Our story takes place around 600 B.C. Uh, Jeremiah, of course, was a prophet during this time. He and his buddy Baruch were always uh, stomping around, you know, telling the wicked Judean kings, listen, you got to stop worshiping idols. Was this news they were happy to hear? No. You got to get all your subjects to stop worshiping idols or God is going to destroy this nation to punish us. And yes, we are God's chosen people. But God is going to use these dudes to punish us. He's going to punish them later, but he's going to punish us now and it's going to suck real bad. So that's when the Babylonians tromped through and destroyed Jerusalem. Yes. Although Jeremiah apparently was so confident that Jerusalem would rise again. He bought a field. He bought a field. (laughs) A detail that is... That is loudly professed both in the Bible and in rabbinical texts. And, uh, it's brought up every time Jeremiah's prophecies are brought up. In the NIV, the chapter is titled, Jeremiah Buys a Field. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this you know Babylonia took over. They, they sacked Jerusalem. They destroyed the first temple, and they exiled the Jews. That's what's known as the Babylonian exile. But about 70 years later, Persia took over Babylonia, and they let the Jews Commonly go called back. Babylon. Yes. Uh, well, Babylon is the capital city, but also whatever. It doesn't matter. Literally nobody cares. Um, okay, so our book starts with Baruch standing upon the river Gel, mm-hmm. the river Gel, mm-hmm. a river of gel. That's where all the youth pastors got that hairstyle from the river of Gel. And Baruch is weeping and asking God why he had to destroy Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, an angel named Famael comes down and says, Dear Baruch, quit your bitching. This is all part of God's plan. And he sent me to show you some mysteries. And now, much like in other apocryphal books that we've read, this angel is going to take him on a tour of several levels of heaven, the first heaven, the second heaven, and so forth. In this case, through the fifth heaven. Mm-hmm. So very interestingly, I love what the angel says when he comes down and finds poor Baruch weeping by the river, mm-hmm. weeping over the destruction of his city, as he says, God's vineyard set on fire. Um, the angel says, cease to provoke God and I will show thee other mysteries greater than these. As if to say, like, please stop crying and Quit prophesying. Quit your bitching. Quit yeah. your bitching. So uh, as soon as the angel comes down, Brooke is, of course, very, you know, astonished and awed to see an angel. Mm-hmm. And he says, OK, I'm going to listen to everything you say very carefully. I won't say another word. The exact quote is, God shall add to my judgment in the day of judgment if I speak hereafter. Mm-hmm. He so, proceeds to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. So... so 
Fomael swoops him up through the firmament into the first heaven. They go through a giant door immediately. Baruch breaks his promise not to talk and asks Fomael, how far did we just travel? Actually, his, uh, his exact words are, make known to me, I pray thee. What is the thickness of the heaven Mm -hmm. in which we journeyed? So this book is very obsessed with the size of things. And I assume it has... Especially the thickness. Mm -hmm. I assume it has to do with some sort of a numerological significance that is lost upon us as, let's just face it, fallen people of the modern age. I think this book is just down with the thickness. To Baruch, it seems like this first... (laughs) We're we're, we're moving on. Don't talk. Um... (laughs) To Baruch, it seemed like this first... I promise, before God, those are the last words I'll speak on this podcast. <laughs> it seemed like 30 days to him. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a 30 days journey, but they just like traveled it in a few minutes. So uh, Fomael says, uh, we just traveled from Earth to heaven, right? And then going through that doorway that we went through, this giant door, was the same distance as Earth to heaven. Mm-hmm. And then... We flew across a plane that was the same distance again. Right. So, you know, pretty long way. Um, what do we find in the first heaven, Nico Bakulich? Well, Lauren, my wife. Yes. There were simply men dwelling thereon. <laughs> what kind of men were these? The faces of oxen, the horns of stags, and the feet of goats. The faces of four oxen. Are... Oh, no, that's the verse, isn't it? That's the verse number. Okay, 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 keep going. Not to mention the haunches of lambs. And uh, and who are these men? Why do they look like this? Baruch asked, show me what are these men? And he, the angel, said to me, these are they who built the Tower of Strife against God and the Lord banished them. These are the builders of the Tower of, of Babel. The Tower of Babel. Um, now, their situation doesn't seem to be so bad. They're literally in heaven. Well, they're in the first heaven. Well, come on. I mean, it it's it doesn't seem to be heavenly per se, but it they're not being tortured or anything. It's just it seems to be just like a huge plane with some creepy goat guys, mm-hmm. and they're just chilling. And how many of them could there really be? So what I'm saying is, it's not crowded. You know, they have plenty of space to roam around, which they need with their powerful haunches. Yeah, the haunches of lambs. Mm-hmm. We're done with those guys. We're going to the second heaven. And this time the journey through the giant doorway is the distance of a 60-day journey. Okay. So it's twice as long, yep. twice as thick. Mm-hmm. And we've got another plane here with some other creepy men. But this time the men have the appearance of dogs and their feet were like those of stags. And these are the people who gave counsel to build the Tower of Babel. Uh, so I guess these are like the supervisors. Yeah, these are the people who had the idea, I guess, rather than the people who laid the bricks. And they they made men and women That's just right. like make bricks 24-7. And it says even pregnant women, they would just have to like give birth and then like carry the child in their apron and keep making bricks. Yeah, this is from a rabbinical legend that's recorded in Pirkei Rabbi Eleazar. And it's almost identical, except, of course, the Jewish woman is in Egypt and is helping to build monuments there, mm. not helping to build the, the Tower of Babel. Mm. So it's an adaptation of a an, an extant rabbinical legend. So how about that for scholarship? How about, how about that? This tower, how tall is it? 
What, the original tower? Yeah. The original tower was, oh, I didn't write it down, but isn't it like 463 cubits or something like that? <laughs> you didn't write that down? No. Uh, it is 463 cubits, which is about 700 feet. And what do they do when they build this fantastical, well, phantasmagorical tower? Baby, let me tell you, they took a gimlet. Mm-hmm. Which is like a little, a little piercing tool. Oh, I would have thought it was a delicious cocktail. It's also a great podcast network that we're not on. And they tried to pierce heaven mm-hmm. to see if it was made out of clay, brass, or iron. The mm. three things that you assume heaven would be made out of. <laughs> Obviously, God could not allow this. So he smote them with blindness and confused their speech and uh, apparently made them look like dogs with stag feet. It's a but standard punishment, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, let's move up to the third heaven. We are slamming through this these heavens. This time, the journey takes the length of six months, a long-ass journey. Right. Who's even been on a journey for six months? Who even knows how long that is? That is a long walk. Um, and we don't know, of course, whether he's in a cart led by, of course, asses or horses. <laughs> or some sort of hooved beast. Mm-hmm. We're on another giant plane, of course. That's what all the heavens are. And here there's a serpent. Which appeared to be 200 plethora in length. Did you look up what a plethora was? Well, I looked up what a, a plethron. plethron. A plethron? Yeah, it's about 100 feet. Okay. So this serpent is about four miles long. What? Damn, that's a long-ass serpent. It's a long-ass serpent. There's also a monster named Hades. Right. Who closely resembles the serpent, but also his appearance is dark and abominable. So did you... Remember when we talked about differences between the Slavonic text and the Greek text? I remember you mentioned it. Well, this chapter is apparently full of them uh, because the Greek text is in this chapter specifically. And I think, you know, the parts that I'm talking about uh, full of later interpolations. Okay. Well, the Slavonic text has a better version of this chapter that is probably closer to an older version. All right. So everybody watch out. This fucking fr- watch out. This next part of the podcast is full of interpolations. Heavily interpolated. Um, these two monsters, Hades and also a serpent, mm-hmm. they uh, they eat the bodies of the wicked. So the third heaven is kind of like hell in that regard. I don't know. I don't really understand it. I, th- I think it's weird that there's two levels devoted just to people who built the Tower of Babel. Yeah, it really seems like one of those scenarios where you start to write a card and you think you give yourself plenty of space to write the message. And then like later on, you realize there's not enough space and your writing becomes really small. Yeah, like writing a, a poster yeah, for yeah. like a protest totally. and then it ends up looking stupid. Yes. So the first two heavens were like, dude, I got so many heavens left to go here. <laughs> You know, like the first two are obviously you got to get these two out of the way. And it's important that they're on different levels. But here we're starting to. But now it's we're starting like... to realize we're running out of heaven pretty quick <laughs> and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So there's two serpents. They they eat the bodies of the wicked. They also drink a lot of the sea. Yes. Although it's unclear to what end. Well, it's very clear to what end. It, uh, the angel explains it when. uh our buddy, uh, what the fuck is his name? Baruch. Famael? Baruch? No. Yeah, our buddy Baruch is real confused about it. Uh, what does he say? Well, so God created uh, seven rivers. Yeah. And they all flow into the sea. Yeah. Um, but that's too many rivers for the world. Uh, well, why did God create too many for the world? Because I have no fucking idea, baby. You got to ask the big man. Um, so, Wait, so now a monster has to come in and fix this? Yes. He, due to God's mistake? It's it's a real, like, 
you know, right before it goes gold, you have to push a bunch of uh, oh my god, a bunch of fixes really quick, and may- maybe they're not as considered as as you would like. But yes, so we had to implement some sort of gigantic sea monster <laughs> to eat the excess water. Okay. I think well, it's supposed to teach us a lesson about the balance of the world okay. or something. Sure. I mean, it is reminiscent of uh, of some of the giant legendary beasts that we talked about in our last episode, mm-hmm. um, particularly the Leviathan. Yeah, who, who this is obviously. Yeah, it's obviously based on that. Right. Yeah. Um, Famael also tells a very interesting story to Baruch about... The tree which led Adam astray. Well, that was Baruch's question. Yes. Like, he's he's a tourist in heaven. Mm-hmm. And just and like he's, Enoch. He's sworn that every time he talks, God will add to his judgment <laughs> on Judgment Day. But he's Therefore, full of questions. he's got to ask a bunch of questions. But just like Enoch, he wants to see the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Yes. And in this story, interestingly, the forbidden fruit that Adam ate also doesn't even mention Eve. Mm-hmm. The forbidden fruit that Adam ate was a vine planted by Samael, which is also a name for the devil or yeah. Satan or fallen angel. Um, and then a few generations later, when God flooded the earth and, by the way, wiped out 409,000 giants, according to this text. Yeah. Very precise number. This vine wasn't destroyed. It was uprooted and cast aside. Mm-hmm. And then after the flood, Noah found it. And he was like, why did God make this vine of all the plants survive? This is the vine that screwed Adam over. I don't think I should plant it. But if God made it survive, maybe I should. I don't know. And so then God sent down the angel Sarasael mm-hmm. to say, yes, Go ahead and plant it because it will make wine and wine will be the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And God is taking Adam's original sin and turning it into a blessing. That's what Jesus does. He takes sin and he redeems it with his blood. But, but, important caveat. Caveat. Important. The angel caveat. Important caveat. Important caveat. People who drink this beautiful gift of wine to get drunk are sinning worse than Adam. That's right. That's us. It's a very interesting, a very interesting take, and was apparently a common uh, sort of justification for Noah's drunkenness. Yeah, it's interesting. This would tie in extremely neatly with the canonical story of Noah in the canonical Bible, um, because he does indeed plant vines he like invents wine right he gets drunk and that leads to the curse of ham yeah which is kind of a big deal that's completely not mentioned in this text no it seems like i think it's implied though i mean i guess it's implied but it seems like it's introduced specifically to tie up this loose end but then it's never addressed directly but we did talk about as well uh in our noah episode about how noah's name means to be at rest or to be resting or right, something right, right. like that. Right, right, um, And how that might tie in with his, like, association with agriculture and him, you know, planting the vine after the flood and blah, blah, blah. I think it's 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 attached this stuff. Also, this is very obviously a Christian interpolation added later. Well, yeah. I mean, do we know that for sure? I mean, obviously, either the original—I mean, obviously, it's Christian. There, <laughs> I mean— I'm, I don't think there's— It's talking about Jesus Christ. 
I mean, I am not an expert, obviously, on the text. You're not? Well. Why are you even on this podcast? No, I'm just. Why did I even marry you if you're not a fucking biblical expert? That's a great question. However, I think the the Jewish encyclopedia thinks that it's a a Christian interpolation. Also, several other places that I did read from a a Jewish perspective consider this an interpolation later. It does seem weird and out of place a little bit, um, especially because the next stuff that we're going to see is very Greek. Right. And I also think, if I may, it, it's interesting that... You mayn't. This story about... I told you you mayn't. ...about Adam, that the vine was was the thing that brought the fruit of uh, the knowledge of good and evil to yeah, him... Yeah, it was grapes. ...establishes canonically mm-hmm. that alcohol is, of course, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Wow. Wow. Let's take a break. You got it, babe. See you in a second. Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm still Nico. He's still Nico, and we are talking about Third Baruch, a.k.a. the Greek apocalypse of Baruch. That's right, baby. Damn. Well, we're going to see some Greek influence right now. We're in the middle of the third heaven. Mm -hmm. The angel Famael is freaking blasting Baruch up and down these heavens. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of the third heaven. Simply mind-blasting him with heavenly knowledge, if you don't mind my saying so. And in the third heaven is the sun. Yep. And the that's sun. Where, that's where sun lives. That's where sun lives. He lives in third heaven, and he is a man mm-hmm. wearing a crown of fire and riding in a chariot. You can see the the Greco-Roman influence here, mm-hmm. uh, although his chariot is drawn by 40 angels. Right. Flying with the sun's chariot is a giant bird, mm-hmm. which Famael tells Baruch is the phoenix. We mentioned in our uh, Beasts of the Bible episode last time that the phoenix did have a place in Jewish mythology and uh, I guess early Christian mythology as well. Uh, this is a version of the phoenix I've never encountered because his job is to stretch out his wings to shield the earth from the sun's rays because otherwise they would be too hot and they would burn the earth up. Do you know why you maybe have never encountered this definition of the phoenix before? Um, why? It's probably cribbed from Indian mythology. Indian mythology. That's interesting. We did we did talk about in our Beast of the Bible episode how the idea of the phoenix originally came from Egypt mm-hmm. and was adapted into lots of different cultures. So it's either it's either a coincidence or this is is probably cribbed from Indian stuff because the description of this bird accompanying the sun mm-hmm. on his travels and shielding the world 
Yeah, he's, uh, the, he's the ozone layer. Right, yeah, the yeah. ozone bird is very, very similar to the description of Garuda. <gasps> the eagle! That's right. The companion of the sun god Vishnu. And the Jewish Encyclopedia asks me, and and by definition, you, the listener, <laughs> to compare this passage. I thought you meant me as your wife. Well, it doesn't really ask anything of you for reasons that you understand. <laughs> asks, uh, asks us to compare this passage with the Mahabharata, Adi Parva, sections, etc., etc. So apparently, this, et which I did look up, and, yeah. the, and the description is remarkably similar. Interesting, including including uh, details that we'll get into right now about the about the phoenix in this book, specifically that if the bird weren't there, mm-hmm. if the bird wasn't there, baby, yeah, human life, all life on Earth would be burnt to yeah. cinders because the sun is too powerful. Um, does does the Garuda have on his right wing giant golden letters that say? Neither earth nor heaven bring me forth, but wings of fire bring me forth. I don't believe so. Okay, but I was I, hoping again, you could I'm, explain that. I'm to not me. an expert on on that subject either. Now, Baruch asks the question on everyone's mind: mm-hmm. Does the bird excrete? Yes. Here is this well, amazing for, giant it, bird. Well, to give Baruch some credit here, yeah, he first asks what the bird eats. <laughs> okay. And the bird eats mana from heaven yes. and the dew on the face of the world or yes. some shit. We'll get into that later. Now, yeah. a thinking man, yeah. like Baruch obviously was, uh-huh. would traverse the future and <laughs> the say- The digestive system. Yeah, so if he eats, he's got a shit. He's like, you know, I see these giant golden letters. What's uh-huh. the poop situation? Right. And Famael says, yes, the bird does excrete. The bird excretes a worm. Mm-hmm. And the worm excretes cinnamon, mm-hmm. a valuable spice used by kings and princes. Now, I, I think this is supposed to be ironical, you know? You think it's supposed to be ironical? I think so. I think that it's supposed to be poking fun at the... <laughs> the kings and princes who are... The kings and princes of this flavoring world. Flavoring their, their food with the sinner's spice, cinnamon. That's, that's why it has sin in the name. That's right. And wouldn't they be surprised to learn it was merely the shittum? Of a worm from heaven. <laughs> now, as, as they watch, Baruch sees the bird grow smaller and smaller. And I guess that's after the sun has set and the world doesn't need to be shielded from its rays or like as the sun sets. Uh, but then, but then, bam, as soon as it, as it rises, the phoenix returns to full size and spread out his wings. And uh, I guess that's this version of the phoenix being reborn yeah also funnily enough when the sun sets yeah uh a crew of angels take the crown off yes of four the man, angels and they polish it they spend all night polishing it and removing the grit from it yes because its rays have been defiled that's right by beaming down on the earth and witnessing all our nasty sins. an interesting quantum theory mm-hmm. whereby <laughs> the observer is affected by observation mm, it's true or something along those lines yep Anyway, humanity's sins are bouncing up the photons <laughs> that are being emitted by this crown and are, frankly, dirtying the shit out of it. And the phoenix can do nothing to shield them. Yeah, oddly enough, the phoenix, the shielding only works one way, It only right? goes one it way. It prevents us from getting um, pop-tarted up yeah. in a bad way. What did way. you just call me? <laughs> but it does not prevent the crown itself from being dirtied by our acts. Yes. So the bird is sunproof. 
but not sin-proof. The bird is the word. Now, we see the moon's chariot Logos, as well. <laughs> we call it. Uh, we see the moon's chariot as well. This time a woman is driving the chariot. Again, you see the, the Greek slash Roman influence. Mm-hmm. Um, also, for some reason, some of the angels drawing the moon's chariot take the form of oxen and lambs. It's not explained. It seems a little weird when, like, the the terrible uh, Babel builders were, like, kind of mixed with oxen and lambs. Yeah. But, and Baruch asks... Why the moon only shines at night. And Famael says, and I quote, In the presence of a king, the courtiers cannot speak freely. So the moon and the stars cannot shine in the presence of the sun. So that's the third heaven. There's a lot going on. May I interject a little bit more about the moon? Uh, I will allow it. The moon, apparently, according to rabbinical legends, uh-huh. which is echoed somewhat here, with a sort of Greek patina applied, uh-huh. patina, excuse me. Both are acceptable in my mind. The moon was once as large as the sun and even more beautiful. What? Did you know that? But at Adam's fall, it did not display the proper <gasps> compassion and was therefore made to wax and wane. But even above the sun and moon? Mm. What is that? I spy a fourth heaven? Uh, well, uh, man, can we even? There's so much that happened in the third heaven there's the there's the two giant serpent things there's uh a phoenix that's the ozone layer there's the sun and the moon we heard the story of the flood and now we're just going to zoom up to fourth heaven it's a little less involved what delights (laughs) await us here we don't know how thick the doorway is for Mm -hmm. one thing doesn't tell us a huge oversight although Um, i think we could do the math i think it's some pretty simple algebra we'll figure out yeah it would probably be one year something like that one year's worth of travel uh, there's another plane, of course. This one has a big pool of water in the middle. And here in the text, I want to be clear, it's described as plane P-L-A-I-N, not P-L-A-N-E. That's true. As it's... if we were playing Dungeons and or Dragons. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a geometric dimension. Mm-hmm. It's just like a uh, a plane. It's just like a flat piece of land. Well, it's both. But in the text, it is a, it is a plane. Um, and this one has a big pool of water in the middle with a bunch of big birds in it Mm -hmm. not as big as the phoenix but still quite large yes for example there's a crane as big as an ox and i may be interpreting this wrong but i think no honey (laughs) honey i think let me prepare for what i'm about to say it's earth shaking i think famel tells baruch that the birds are the souls of the righteous They're, they're the souls of the people who continually sing praise to the lord that's correct and that this is their heaven. They get to live as very large birds and just sing all the time and hang out with each other as birds. Yeah. So there's this idea of the angelic choir, mm-hmm. right? That there's a class of angels who just sit up in heaven and get to sing to God all the time. And I think this is an image that's related to that, except for some reason people get transmuted into birds. It's very interesting. We've seen... In the in the actual Bible, so many times there's uh, there's choirs of angels mm-hmm. singing, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, but I've never they've never been uh, transfigured into birds before. It's a beautiful image, I think. Vamel also explains that water from uh, this pool where all the birds are hanging out trickles down into the clouds on Earth and becomes rain, but not regular rain. No. 
which comes from the sea and from the waters on Earth. So whoever wrote this book did understand the water cycle. Yes. Um, but the water that comes from this fourth heaven pool is a special rain called the dew of heaven. It's not further elaborated on. We're just supposed to accept that there's good rain and bad rain. But who ate it before? Um, that's what the phoenix drinks. The phoenix drinks. Yeah. The dew of heaven. Uh, Which I guess actually that makes perfect sense now because we're one layer above. We're one layer above. So it's got to trickle down and the phoenix got to get a little taste. Um, it doesn't, quote, stimulate the fruits on Earth. Wow. Sounds like a personal problem. Yes. Are we ready for the fifth heaven here? Yeah. The fifth and final heaven? Yeah. I mean, here's the big thing that I didn't want a spoiler mm-hmm. before. Yeah. It was a it was a heated discussion behind the scenes about whether we should spoil this or not. <laughs> okay. But for some reason, this text is frankly effed up. Uh-huh. They only talk about five heavens. There's what? only five heavens in this text. There, I think there's supposed to be seven. Nope. There's only five. And when we get to the fifth one, the gate is closed. We don't get to see how thick this doorway is because the gate is closed. But lo and behold, here comes the Archangel Michael. Yeah. It's simply a will he or won't he situation. He's got the keys to the gate. He being Michael and will or he won't open the gate. And he's carrying a giant jug as deep as the distance from heaven to earth, a.k.a. the same thickness as the first gate. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I like Michael and uh, Famael have a moment where they salute each other. That's right. And and Michael, well, Famael's like, you know, hail commander of all angels or whatever. And then Michael's like, hail um, guy who reveals revelations to righteous people. Yeah. Uh, and then it is kind of awkward, though. I don't know. As, <laughs> it does seem as a little, written. It yeah. seems very strange. It's it's very formal. They're definitely in different social circles. Yeah, work um, work friends, not but, friend friends. Fomail tells Baruch that this giant jug is where the good deeds. Stop laughing at giant jugs. This is where the good deeds of the righteous go. Uh, I guess kind of like the bodies of the wicked got et by the two snakes in mm-hmm. the third heaven. Mm-hmm. Here's where the deeds of the righteous go. You know what? We never found out. What? We found out what they ate. Didn't find out what they shitted, though. Oh, yeah. Do you think it was a different spice? Do you think it was a less valuable spice? Probably. What's the, most, what's the least valuable spice? <sighs> Salt. Pepper. Pepper. Salt's very valuable. Oh, you're right. Not well, only as a spice. At least it was at the time. Yeah. You think these, these serpents are eating the bodies of the wicked and shitting pepper? <laughs> Let's just say yes and move on. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, some angels start flying up with baskets of flowers mm-hmm. to pour into the giant jug. And these flowers are the merits of the righteous. Yeah. Some, these of these, are... some of these angels, they appear with, frankly, brimming baskets. Yes. Some of them have baskets only half full. Some mm-hmm. of them approach with empty baskets and they're like they're all sad and they don't even want to approach and they're they're just like ashamed of their baskets no and they're, they're like, weeping and wailing they're like don't even look at me mm-hmm. um and they're like please assign us to better humans because <laughs> these guys are out there fucking and sucking and they're not going to church they're murmuring and whispering mm-hmm. and we can't fill our <laughs> baskets with flowers under these conditions and then michael is like look I can't transfer you because you got to keep watching over these. Somebody's got to watch yeah. them fucking suck. Yeah, <laughs> we got to keep Satan out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'll 
I'll run this at the flagpole to God, Mm -hmm. and we'll see what he says. So Michael departs. Thunder crashes. And Baruch is like, what is that sound? And Famael is like, that's Michael presenting the righteous deeds to God. It's very, very momentous, thunderous event. Yeah. And then Michael comes back, and here's the quote. And in that very hour, Michael descended, and the gate was opened, and he brought oil. That's right. This guy brought oil. Mm-hmm. So all the angels that had full flower baskets, Michael fills their baskets with oil. Now, filling a basket with oil mm-hmm. is, is just modern basket technology so shitty that I can't imagine a basket being filled with oil. Um, listen, this is metaphysical oil and metaphysical baskets. I mean, the deeds aren't literally flowers, right? Mm. They've been transformed. Yeah, but how does oil go in basket? It just goes in. He has a jug. <laughs> he does have a jug. The jug is for flowers. The baskets are for oil. I don't get religion. <laughs> I've tried. So Simply don't get it. So, yeah. So these angels are going to go, you know, bring down their, their baskets of oil, and that will presumably be metaphysically transformed into, uh, you know, good health and sure. yeah, plentiful yeah. crops yeah. or whatever. It's retirement oil, yeah. as we've discussed before. Exactly. The angels with half full baskets get half the oil mm-hmm. to go deliver as a uh, somewhat reduced reward to their humans who are... You know, they're not high achievers, but they're trying. And they're, they got, and they do get some oil out of the They're deal. doing their best. Yeah. Um, now, as for the angels with the empty baskets, they don't get no oil. Mm. Michael tells them, I'm sorry, you can't transfer to different humans, I asked. <laughs> and the big guy said no. But don't be sad. Just go and curse them with locusts and mildew. And storms and all that stuff, uh, quote, punish them severely with the sword and with death and their children with demons. And then that's the end. And the gate closes and Famael brings Baruch back down to earth and Baruch gives glory to God. That all happens in like one sentence and the end. And what do the angels think about this plan? Are they happy to curse and plague the humans? Why do they have control over demons that they can send into children? Uh, and if they're they're happily sending demons onto people, then why are they? How are they angels? Why are they not demons? The end. No explanation. No, I think that the sixth and seventh heavens were cut from the uh, piece. Oh, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Although, it... but there there is a there is a resolution here, though there is a conclusion. Yeah, but it's like one sentence long. That's true. You think it was interpolated? Possibly. I don't know. By Christians? Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to blame everything on Christians, except this. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, and it also would be weird if there was a sixth and seventh heaven, but like Michael can go through the door on the fifth and see God right there. Like, mm-hmm. then what's in the sixth and seventh heavens? And if we've already discussed the punishment of the wicked and the reward of the righteous... What is left? Well, I mean, aren't there, like, infinite lessons to give people? I guess. And not to mention, like... None that are interesting to Baruch, though. Apparently not. He is. He has very odd concerns. <laughs> you know? He's mainly concerned with thickness. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a, like, a distance-oriented man. <laughs> he's, like, he's like... He always wants to know where he is. <laughs> he's like... He's like, how, which direction is north? What, how, what distance do you think I would have traveled if this were Earth? Yeah. Oh, and what street is this? 
what's this one right here? And which direction are we facing? We came from over there, right? Yeah, okay, cool, cool. We all know that person. And it's fine. We all know that guy who's obsessed with Matt. Yeah. It's just that we don't take him up to see the divine mysteries of God. For this very reason, because he's going to ask the wrong questions. Although he did, to his credit, ask what come out the phoenix What the bird shitted. (laughs) (laughs) A legendary question. And then what's going to happen is God's going to accidentally reveal that he's no different from Satan, mm-hmm. that his angels are agents of evil as That's well right. as good, that yeah. there's there actually is no difference between evil and good. It's all just unmitigated power. That's what's important. Well, we found out that the Leviathan lives in heaven. And, yeah. And that's where the bodies of the of evil people go and the, to get at. The, the Babel people get to go into two heavens. Yeah, that's very confusing. And they don't get tortured at all. They're just weird looking. Yeah. And then Baruch is just like... Google Maps says I traveled 5.1 miles. <laughs> My Fitbit says I got 7K steps, and I'm back. Yeah, that's an odd one. I think it's about time to rate this book, I though. you're right. Baby, what are you going to rate this ding-dang book? I think I'm going to give it, like, 150 out of 200 plethora. Would you care to explain your rating? I would love to. I think this is a, this is a tidy little weird text, if, if, if <laughs> yeah, you, if I agree. you ask me. I agree. It's got a clear through line traveling through the layers of heaven, mm-hmm. um, like our buddy Enoch. Like many of our buddies. It's true. Many from, of our buddies from have, Apocrypha past. have traveled through these uh, delightful layers, like um, the layers of a delicious cake or such as. Like a parfait. But this one in particular onion. Is, uh, is packed to the gills with strange stuff. There's really not a lot of filler. Um, there isn't. And it's, it's a very interesting snapshot of probably Judaism with a little Christianity thrown in from the 100 to 200 AD period. Honestly, you could use a little more filler. Probably. Because it's in it's written in such a period of flux mm-hmm. that the symbols are very mixed mm-hmm. and very confusing. Yeah. And it's hard for us to tell from this vantage point <laughs> what the fuck it's supposed to mean. You yeah, know, it's it is like, making a lot of assumptions about what yeah, we it's like, expect. Okay, we've got two whole layers of heaven that are devoted to what happened to the people who built the Tower of Babel. And what happened is they look weird. Uh, okay, yeah. what does that mean? Are they? Know. Is that bad? Is that neutral? What is, yeah. uh, it doesn't seem good, but is it good? I don't know. Right. So... I don't know. I mean, it's such a strange little thing, but it's got some cool images and references to unusual uh, mythologies. Yeah, it's so interesting because it has the, it has like, so these like hybrid animal people mm-hmm. are are very Jewish, right? right. There, that's like exactly the type of stuff you find in the Old Testament in visions, in uh, you know, when people are. Prophets are seeing heaven and hell and whatever. Uh, The chariot stuff is also obviously very Greek. Right. And then uh, you got the the blood of Christ in there. So it's really really a delicious uh, parfait. Yeah, it's a a serious grab bag. What did you think, baby? I was going to give it 7 out of 10 giant jugs. Nice. That speaks for itself. I think so. 7 is a great number for giant jugs. (laughs) Also, it's packed full of numerology, which, like, we're not qualified oh, to, yeah. un- to unpack. It's because neither of us are 40 years old and married. That's true. One day we'll be there. And male. 
One day you'll be there. I'll never be there. Well. But I might. you might sneak some secrets of the Kabbalah to me. I would love to. Great. Smuggle some secrets out? Well, Probably have... can't talk about it on the podcast. We have one. My rabbi is not going to be happy about that. We have one letter from the mailbag this week uh, from a listener named Oded, a secular Jew raised in Israel, now living in Scotland with his Christian wife. Mm-hmm. Quite... A life there. That's our, I mean, that's our core that's like demo. Our, yeah, that's our target demo. Uh, he answered some some questions we had about, like, Hebrew language back in our first Kings episode uh, that will bore all our listeners, but they were very interesting to us. So thank you, Oded, for your knowledge. And thank you for listening to what I think is a top-notch hour of entertainment, <laughs> education, and sex. <laughs> And bird excrement. <laughs> but that'll do it for tonight's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. If you want to contact us, uh, just think about the word contact, 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 because you just got to email us. Contact. SundaySchoolDropouts.lol. That's SundaySchoolDropouts.lol, not dot com. Mm-hmm. Dot com is the hidden sixth heaven where God lives and... You don't want to be there. No, you'll die of his glory. That's right. You can follow the show on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled with an A like the angel Famael. You can follow me on Twitter at Nico Bakulich. N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. As always, we thank Elise Carlton for our wonderful logo. And I thank Nico for his music, editing, and sound engineering skills that are integral to this podcast and your listening experience. Damn, I'm feeling appreciated at the workplace. (laughs) And all of our listeners are welcome to tune in in two weeks when we continue our journey into the Bible and back out the other side, dragging them along with us. Much like cinnamon from a phoenix's ass. Well, Well, technically from the ass of the worm that crawls out of the phoenix's ass. And with that, my name is Nico Bakulich. <laughs> and I'm Lauren O'Neill. And we'll see you next week. We'll Stay biblical, see you, you on simple Sunday. boys and girls. Mm-hmm.